Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. This is episode number two of the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, best top 20 players of the 90s within the Essendon Football Club. Uh, my name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to be back. Uh, look, uh, this is part two. Last week, we did our numbers 20 to 16. Uh, lots of fun debates and lots of varying lists this, this time. Uh, it's quite different from the 80s. But joining me again is Rowan Connolly from Footyology. How are you going, Rowan? I'm going very well. Can I just say this is the, what, third or fourth one of these I've done now, and I've resisted the temptation to do a cheap gag about the Brady Bunch, but that's <laughs> how it looks in this gallery view. On it's either, it's either the Brady Bunch or Uncelebrity Squares, I think. Either, we just, either will do. We just need one more person to make the six, and then it's yeah, the Brady yeah, Bunch yeah. all night. Oh, and, um, and the bad jokes. I'm quite happy to play the uh, ugly Dave Gray role. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, to the right of me, we have uh, Neil. How you going, Neil? Great, thanks, Scott. Really happy to be here again. I've uh, been going through the list during the week, and I uh, listening to all the other experts here. I think I might have made a little bit of a boo boo with Sean Denham last week. Had him a little bit too low, but um, we'll see how we are this week. Really enjoyed the discussions. It was fantastic to have uh, Gary on board. Great, uh, great hearing all his stories and Rowan, of course. And speaking of uh, Gary, why aren't I in the 20 to 16 list? How are you going, Gary? I'm very well, gentlemen. Yeah, um, thanks for the invite back. I didn't expect another one, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and I'm interested to hear your 16 to 11, 15 to 11, sorry. No, the, feed, the feedback was fantastic, Gary. I reckon you, you dragged at least another... 17 viewers on board. <laughs> 17. So, so triple our audience. <laughs> and yeah. look- oh, well, no. And the check will be in the mail, will it? Too? Will oh, it yeah, of course. Yeah. It's just slow down some corona. Buy me a coffee. Buy me a coffee. <laughs> I hear you're getting paid double what I'm getting paid. <laughs> yeah, two fifths of you know what. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. And look, it's a good segue to actually just uh, a big thank you to the people who are tuning in. We weren't sure what this forum would produce. Uh, probably the first week, uh, it was all new to everyone. We had about 50 listeners on YouTube and I thought, I'm not sure how this is going to go. And then all of a sudden we got 100, then 200, then 300, then 400. And we're getting closer to the 800 views just on our first episode. Uh, so uh, big, big thank you to everyone. It's obviously getting a lot of word of mouth and our audio podcast is, is getting closer to a thousand on the first episode. So uh, a big can I just say, Can I just say, Scott, that uh, I've been putting my own videos up on YouTube and it can be slow going, but <clears throat> I think given the audience of YouTube, the secret usually is to play some sort of video game and then put yourself in the corner and just talk <laughs> absolute drivel for about ah, two hours. That's it. And, um, yep. you know, some people make millions of dollars out of it. So there yep. you go. Well, we've <laughs> yeah. got the talk and dribble bit down, Pat, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And, and, and look, it's important to note for, for people who missed it, and this is more to the YouTube crowd, but I'll read out the names. Last week, we did our uh, 20 to 16. So uh, for the YouTube listeners, oh. uh, and I'll help out with the audio listeners of our podcast, you can see uh, 20 to 16, I had... Uh, 20, Calthorpe, then Grenvold, then Lucas, then Alessio, then Carousella at 16. Neil had Watson, Blumfield, Carousella, Denham, 
Lucas. Rowan had Ezard, Madden, Alessio, uh, Watson, Kickett. And then Grant had Kickett, Granfold, Lucas, Somerville, Wellman. Uh, so that's kind of a bit of a, a wrap up where we were last week. And Gary was awesome in, in sharing his views on those selections. And, uh, and Neil was Neil was voted the most controversial with Denim at, at yeah. 70. <laughs> but but I, I'm, I, boys, I've heard Neil, though, is going to get Denim in the early teens. And it's like in the draft where you have like pick 17 and pick 14 get you pick nine. You know, if you swap yeah. them to another club, he gets your pick <laughs> nine. So if he goes Denim again in the top 20 at about 14, he'll get him down to about, you know, it might be 11, 10, maybe into single figures. Actually, yeah. do, you, do you ever um, get in touch with Sean Denham, Gary? Are you, like he seems to have, he's certainly kept a low profile since he retired. He has. He's actually, um, when I bother to do a tax return, he actually does my tax. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, see, we, we've, missed, we've missed an opportunity here. I think perfect retribution would have been to actually get him to tag Neil during this week's show. So <laughs> yeah. Neil's doing his 15 to 10. He could have just yes. been jostling him. Could have been niggling him. Uh, yeah. I think it would have been a pretty short fight. <laughs> He owns Sean Denham and Associates, so different player to what he is as a person on off the field, a mild-mannered accountant, but he doesn't do many personal uh, tax returns. I think he's more in the business, the small business area, and uh, helps people along those lines. Very good. Nice. Very good. So let's uh, kickstart off. And Gary, just before I say my number 15, could you write down the name Greg Anderson as well? Uh, because I probably last week I had my... I had my little doubts about number 20 and I thought, oh, should I have put Greg Anderson on there? I didn't, we didn't really speak about him much. And I just wanted you to share your thoughts on just Greg um, as a player playing with him in those early 90s period when he was at one stage almost favourite for a Brownlow in, in 90 or 91 it was. Uh, so look, I'll, yeah. start, I'll, start, I'll start with my number 15. So, look, it's a play that we spoke of uh, last week on Sean Wellman. Uh, 78 games in the 90s. Uh, look, for me, a very, very solid defender, running halfback, uh, really creative, really smart. Uh, look, I think his best trait is, is, is his assurance of when he's got the football. You, there's some plays you feel like there's a 90% there's a probability that something good's going to happen, uh, that there's a very little risk of a turnover or, a, or of, a, I guess, a silly play. Uh, and Sean Wellman has, from my memory, a real gift in making the right decisions and having a high IQ. So I had Sean Wellman uh, at number 15, and I'll go to you, Rowan. Can I just ask you, Scott, did you get that? Are you using my figures for games in the 90s? Uh, if I got that wrong, I'm sorry. 76, sorry. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm no, sorry. just checking, just checking. You know, I would, did go to some trouble to come up with those figures. So. <laughs> um, my glasses, sorry. I read the, uh, it was a really small fight. I read the six instead of it. No, eight no, it's all right. And I, I won't have to take up too much time because my number 15 is also Sean Wellman. Um, I guess the thing I think of primarily with him is being part of that um, incredible three-way deal where, uh, Hawthorne, uh, Adelaide got Jarman, Hawthorne got Salmon, Essendon got Barnard and Wellman. And 
everyone, it was a win-win-win, it's wasn't win, it? Win. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jarman arguably delivered two premierships to the Crows. Salmon was got in Hawthorne's team of the century. And um, uh, Barnard and Wellman, both premiership players. You know, it was... Um, in, in fact, you know, think about it. That could be the greatest sort of three-way trade of all time. Every club did really well out of it. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I was thinking. It was an amazing trade. Yeah. The, the, the other thing I think of with Sean Wellman and Gary, you, you can obviously comment on this. He, particularly in that 2000 period, what, he was a great defender and a great reader of play. But he also became, as Essendon got better and better, he almost became like a de facto wingman. You know, he was regularly able to sort of zone off, let other guys pick up his man, and he would sort of steal out to the wing. And you already had Carousella sort of getting loose on a wing, and then you had Wellman on the other wing. And he would quite regularly be a, a playmaker, you know, do that playmaker-type role as well as be a legitimate defender. And it was absolutely valuable for them. So oh, he, he was a sensational pickup for Essendon and a, a really polished, no-fuss, but very efficient, mistake-free footballer. So, yeah, I rated him really highly. Yep. Well, I'll uh, make it three out of three. I had Sean Wellman at 15 as well. Wow. Um, the other thing, just looking at his stats today about him too, is he was a very consistent player. He, uh, when he first came to Essendon in 96, he, he played uh, a few games early on, uh, four, five, six, and seven. But then from round 20 on until the end of the uh, 90s, he only missed two games for the whole period. So he was very consistent. And as you said, he was just one of those reliable players that you could, uh, uh, you'd know what he was going to do. Hardly ever put it in a bad game. Hardly wasted a possession. Um, just a really good, solid contributor. So, yeah. Greatest and player. Greatest. Over to you, uh, I had um, a small departure from everybody else. I had Blake Carousella at um, number 15. Um, two-time premiership player, 126 games. Um, and again, a bit like Rowan, got loose and was by himself far more regularly than most AFL players were or have been since, to, in, in my understanding. Um, he wasn't exactly a beast of a, of a player. He wasn't going to knock people over left and right. But he, he kind of reminded me about the same kind of body shape as Adam Ramanaskis in that they were athletic and uh, hard to tackle and were were swift or quick across the top of the ground. I loved I loved the way Blake he didn't go for many barnstorming runs or anything, but he he took five I remember him taking five or six quick steps, maybe a bounce, disposing of the ball and disposing of it well. Um, another reliable footballer which I value a lot. Um, so Blake Carousella for me. Great, great footy smarts, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that 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 cropper in fact all those crops of baby bombers that came through for me, you know, the feature among nearly all of them was their football smarts, you know, over mm. athleticism. Not that they weren't athletic, but the, it was that footy nous that made them such great players and him as much as any of them, I reckon. Do you yeah. agree with that, Gary? Yeah, he, and we mentioned it last week too. It's no surprise that he's gone on to coach and been, you know, wherever he goes, uh, it turns to gold. So hopefully um, in the coming years, it turns to gold at uh, the Bombers again. But yeah, at Geelong and at Richmond, he's had an influence. And it's obviously smart on the field. But all you guys had 
well, Wellman, and then Grant had Wellman last week at 16, so pretty close. You just uh, swapped Wellman and Carousella yourself and Scott, I think, haven't you? Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, we have, we've covered, well, look, really, um, really uncomplicated player. As uh, was mentioned, I think Rowan said, he didn't make many mistakes. So, uh, and there was a, there's been a couple of games on Fox Footy recently where he's actually snuck down from half back and kicked a couple of long goals, you know, receiving handballs, yeah. overlapping. So when he got that confidence, he became that valuable player. And the deal, yes, great Barnard, probably the ugliest bloke that's ever played footy. <laughs> or maybe, maybe a few of those Geelong blokes, Scratch and Neil and Neville Bruns, they, they, they might pop up ahead of him. But uh, I was going to say, Gary Moorcroft, Gary Moorcroft just breathed a sigh of relief. Gather as well, yeah. He, uh, Barnard, you know, his famous four goals as well in the 2000s. I know we're not talking about him in the 90s much, but him, his four goals were really important. And then the second thing, picking up Herdy's man all the time. So Herd could run a muck um, in the 2000s as well. And then probably in the late, in the late 90s. So, but the Greg Anderson, you mentioned Greg Anderson. Do you want me to talk about Greg Anderson now? Yes, please. Yeah, yep. Yep. And, uh, and uh, um, he comes to the club in 87, the end of the year. We uh, were trying to get him over. It was touted that uh, Essendon were going to get him, and we took him on our trip to Hawthorne um, versus Essendon over in Tokyo, uh, Japan. And That's he right. didn't play because he wasn't allowed to because he wasn't registered with us yet. And we took a, a team of our Essendon Coterie Group members, and we called them, or the Japanese called them Boosters. Greg Anderson got the nickname Booster because he didn't play, but he came on the trip with us. So, um, yeah. Wonderful, big raking left foot kick. Uh, got in uh, under Fisher's wings, Paul Salmon's wings, because Paul was uh, all about graft and uh, contra deals and with supporters, et cetera, and, and wealthy people. And Ando soon learned uh, to get under Fisher's wing. And uh, he got a, quite a few phone calls, I think, on the Mad Monday, which is probably poor form by us, in 93, because he'd gone at the end of 92 to Adelaide and uh, we'd been able to get over the line in the prelim and he got injured late or halfway through the last quarter with a thigh, I think. So um, I didn't ring him, but there was a few blokes going, look, uh, you know, um, what, are you, what have we got that you haven't? But uh, uh, really good fella and uh, really good South Australian product. Thank yeah, you, that, um, that, that 1990 year he had, uh, that was the year he, he was a real Brownlow chance and... Um, he was on fire that season. And, and like you say, Gary, that, that boomy left foot, you know, he, he was a beautiful kick of the footy. And it sort of, it all came together for him that season. It was one, he was one player that could play on the likes of like a Darren Mullane on a wing, those big strong types that are good in the air. And like Doug Hawkins as well, who uh, would be in the best 20, 22 players I've seen play, Dougie Hawkins. He was able to, you know, hold his own with those those type of players. Yeah, yeah. And talking about the ugliest players uh, that have played, I think Mark Jackson's just fallen off his couch. You can't believe he didn't get a mention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, you make you make a good point about the Geelong the Geelong side of the nineteen eighties. You couldn't actually get a game unless you were an ugly redhead with freckles or yep. blonde, but a receding blonde hairline. You know, it was, it was either or. You could not play for him unless he had one of those two features. Scratch and Neil. He, he took the coach. Scratch and Neil. Do you remember, there's a great bit of footage of, it used to be in one of those sort of highlight reels of Scratcher 
going down in the mud in the middle of Windy Hill, as a matter of fact, and sort of getting up with the red hair, the freckles and the mud all over his face. It was, it was like, it was, it was shocking. So, <laughs> yeah. so let's go uh, to number 14. Uh, I think this is a, a new player uh, that I'm going to uh, present. So this is a, a player, actually, uh, Kevin Sheedy was even asked today on a podcast, what does Essendon need? And, and uh, he mentioned this player is a, is a player that the current Essendon team would, would need. Uh, Gary O'Donnell. He played 108 games in the 90s, best and fairest in 1998. Uh, Damien Hardwick, uh, a, a, a fantastic player. Uh, Gary will, will, will tell me this more than anyone, but from afar, seemed like a, a very uh, team-oriented player that would do anything uh, to get a result. And one of the toughest players that probably wasn't blessed physically tough, but it didn't have to be to, to, to name this guy as tough. He would do anything possible for the Essendon Football Club to win a game. And if it meant his body on the line countless times, if it meant trash talking, if it meant uh, putting their opposition star off their game, he would, do, he, would walk, he would cross the white line and you know what you're going to get. But beyond that, he was actually a very smart and quite skillful player in his own right as well. And it made actually for a very good coach as we all sit here today. So he is my number 14, Damien Hardwick Rowan. Just not too smart with laptops. <laughs> no, 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 not no. Yes. About yeah. that story. Jeez. Mm. <laughs> what about sliding doors? Um, yeah, well, this is what you're going to do all night, Scott. You're going to sort of uh, steal my thunder. Um, actually, I've got Dimmer. I don't know. Do you want me to talk about Dimmer now or after? Because uh, I've, yeah, I've go got now. him. Go now. Right. No, well, I, I've, got him in, I've got him in a couple. Okay. Uh, but I, just echoing your sentiments, he, you know, you know what he reminds me of? In this point, in this sense, he reminds me of John Walsfold as a player because both of them, um, I think, were quite skillful players who were equipped enough and could easily have ended up becoming very skillful and prolific on ballers like Ruck Rovers. And in fact, Walsfold did that role the first season he played league footy. And I reckon Dimmer might have done it a bit before he became sort of a, a permanent halfback. But both of them, because they were so tough and, and you know, and became outstanding defenders, the legacy in playing terms is of that hard as nails. And unfortunately, often when people think hard as nails, they sort of think, okay, well, not necessarily that skilled. But I would argue yeah. Dimmer, as, as well as Warsfold, actually had really good skills as players. Yeah. So, yeah, he had a great footy brain. He had really good evasive skills, I reckon. Yeah, and the toughness. Uh, and, and that, Gary, you know, you could address this, you know, that ruthless competitive streak he had, you know. Um, I mean, that was, and that's obviously served him really, really well as a coach. Um, so, yeah, I'll shut up about him when it comes around actually <laughs> naming him. My number um, 14, right? My number 14 yep. is someone we've already spoken about, Sean Denham. Uh, and again, too yeah, far out then. No, no. Um, Oh no! Look, he, he was he was very valuable player. Well, where do you have him now? What number do you? I have, have him seventeen. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, maybe a touch low, but I wouldn't hang you for it. Um, <laughs> there was one I'd hang you for, but I can't remember yeah. what it was. 
No, uh, no, that was that was Grant. That was, that was oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Denham, Denham, uh, one hundred thirty-three games in the nineties, uh, ninety-seven best and fairest. A really important run with role in a premiership. Yeah. Um, but again, and you know, this is a good point. And Gary, look, he won't sing his own praises, but I will. I mean, Gary. Um, you know, guys that do those lockdown defensive jobs at whatever stage in their career, it's like they almost pay a price in terms of kudos for their natural footy talent. Yeah. And Gary, Gary got the chance. Gary sort of did it in reverse. You know, he got the chance to sort of do that later in his career. But I would say even with Sean Denham, I mean, he when he was at Geelong, he wasn't a run with player. He was just a you know a ball winning. Mm. on baller and he had the skills to do that and I think we all talk about what a great tagger he was but you know it wasn't like he couldn't play footy um exactly you know kicked uh, kicked an important goal in the mm. first quarter of that 93 grand final as well um so yeah really valuable player gave Essendon the defensive midfield type they really needed because most sides had at least sort of one midfield superstar and he got the job and always did it well. So, yeah, no hesitation from me making him number um, 14. Fair call. Okay, Neil. <clears throat> yeah, look, I agree with everything you said about Sean Denham. And uh, I was say he, was, he was actually very skilled off, off both sides of his body. Mm. Um, it was really when I was listening to what Gary was talking about him last week, the fact that he was would have won the 94 <laughs> grand final uh, if, with the... Uh, not 94 grand Best final. Best yep. Best and Ferris. With the exception that he was suspended for a couple of uh, games for snotting Williams, which is fair enough. The, um, <laughs> you should the, add it to him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I may have underrated him a, a little bit there. Um, just talking at the other one, David, Damon Hardwick. I think I've had a gun in the same spot as you, Rowan, just a little bit higher. But, uh, yeah, just a great player to, uh, to watch and really enjoy just his hardness. Uh, again, a real hallmark of a lot of the shooty players and the size that he had. He's, he had to have a lot of players that were hard. Um, but my number 14 is uh, somebody that was also um, talked about already. He was uh, Stephen Alessio. Yep. Uh, had a, a couple of spots higher than a, uh, a few of them. Um, one of the things that made me think of that was the there was Simon Madden, who was our uh, one of our greatest ever players and possibly our greatest ever ruckman, um, voted him as the um, uh, starting ruckman in the in the best players since uh, 1990. And uh, you know Simon Madden is probably as good a judge of anybody. So uh, maybe I've even got him a bit lower compared to how he would have been valued by the side maybe gary might be able to uh, share some insight into that he was maybe not as a uh, seen as seen as valuable by supporters as he was within the club but i looked at some of his stats and he um uh in the 90s he uh he got 20 or more disposals in nine games which for a ruckman forward is a really um good solid effort and he um kicked five goals once and four goals seven times. So that's also a, a really strong um, effort in the forward line. So uh, that might be why uh, Simon rated him highly. And of course, he was, for, for his size, he was a really great mover and, um, and really good skills. Uh, he's a sort of player that would be particularly important even these days, I think, someone that can uh, hold their own in the ruck, but still go forward and uh, make a really great contribution. A little bit like um, Jenkins um, from uh, Adelaide and now Geelong, I think. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I had him at fourteen. 
Uh, over to you to Grant. Good call. Over to you. Over to me. Over to me. Um, Sean Denham. Uh, what hasn't been said yet about Shawnee Denham? Um, for inadverted commas, undersized AFL players like that, um, I love them because they're going to get hammered. They know they're going to get hammered every week. Um, and the fact that he snotted Diesel Williams makes it all the, all the better for me. Um, but, yeah, Shawnee Denham, I love players like that because they're, they're not the quickest. They're not, the, um, they're not going to bullock through packs like Crips and all that sort of stuff. So the, the possessions they got and the work they did, they bloody well earned. So massive fan of Shawnee Denham. I'll leave it with you, Gary. Yep. Yeah, Shawnee, yeah, we've, we've spoken a lot about him. And uh, to add to what Rowan said, I think when he, before he came to uh, Essendon, him and Robert Scott were in the Victorian squad one year. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if they both played. I don't, but I Robert Scott might have played and Sean just missed out, but they were both in the Victorian squad. Yeah. So that's testament to the, the top player he was. Great on left and right foot. Um, really good in punch-ons with his father and uh, brother when uh, they'd had a few beers and uh, you'd want Shawnee in your court because he was that little bloke that just did not take a backward step. And he, he was hard. He was hard as. So really, I think I said my love for him last week. Uh, Damien Hardwick, the mild-mannered bank teller, she did call him. I worked in the Commonwealth Bank as well, but so did Damien. And um, he was the last bloke I thought would coach. Um, now, I didn't see a lot of his career because I, I left after the end of 98, but he was one of the biggest whingers we had as a player. What are we doing this for? What are we doing that for? Why are we warming up? Why are we warming down? Everything was just too hard for him other than the training. So for him to come through, and there was a good analogy made, John Walsfold. I don't particularly like John as a player, and John knows that, and I know that, but um, we've... Uh, kissed and made up post careers, but um, uh, he just Damien Hardwick got under the lion skins in '04. Uh, that that grand yeah. final yeah. when he was at Port Adelaide, <clears throat> he got under five or six bloke skins, and were yeah, you it was one of the reasons. Were you still there then? You still at Brisbane? I was at, then? I was yeah, at yeah. Brisbane. Yes. Yeah, I was mm. at Brisbane. I came back to Essen in '05, and and he it was him just. You know, obviously, Brisbane had a few injuries, etc. But, you know, they, they were the, the team of, of that year. But also, he just got under everyone's skin that day. And just, you know, just a little underhanded things that just <laughs> are not quite over... They don't overstep the rules, but they just annoy blokes. And our blokes retaliated and it was, it was no good. So, uh, Damien, yeah, and has had a fabulous coaching career since. Steve, Alessio, we talked about him last week. Um... Remember, we played an interstate game against Adelaide really quickly. Dave Whedon was addressing us, uh, one of our assistant coaches, and uh, in the middle of the 90s, it would have been. And Dave goes, well, the only reason we're going to lose tomorrow is if we panic. If we panic. And he, it was along, he explained you know, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. But if we panic, that's the only reason we're going to lose. Anyone give me a reason why we might panic? And Seth, straight away at the back of the room, goes, oh... Uh, an earthquake <laughs> and blokes were rolling around on the floor and so he was a really funny bloke I think he's emceed and hosted a lot of uh, Essendon functions since but uh, you know pound for pound really good mark um, and held his own uh, and I you mentioned him in Josh Jenkins breath I don't I'm not sure Josh Jenkins carries Steve's bag really? Okay. No, he's a, Steve's 
Steve was way up there in that in in regard to well, if you compare him to Josh Jenkins, yes. Yeah. Just it looks like he had um, big. Sorry, Rocky. It looks like he no, had massive right. hands. Got a touch of the 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 Stewie Lowe's with big hands. He has, and he didn't get moved off the ball. Once he got in position, there wouldn't be many that could move him off the line. So uh, really strong uh, once he once he found that position to and the drop zone of the mark. I think any man's pretty happy to hear that he's got big hands because you know what that means. <laughs> hey, um, just, just, uh, just one or, last Or a word. big nose. That's good too, isn't it? <laughs> just, no, I hadn't heard that one, Neil. No. Um, just a final, final one on Hardwick. Um, Matty Lloyd made some interesting comments the other night on um, footy clickbait. Oh, sorry, footy classified. Um, at, uh, no, he was just talking about the impact. I think it was on footy classified, the impact on Essendon of uh, Blumfield, Heffernan, Carousella all leaving. And Hardwick had left Hardwick. the year before. And I was just thinking, you know, you, I mean, Hardwick, you know, very popular bloke, wasn't he, Gary, with, with players and, and, you know, with everyone really. And, I guess one of the great tragedies about, yeah, it was salary cap issues, but Essendon had already been through this similar situation at the end of 84 and 85 when um, Peter Bradbury and Steve Carey got tipped out. And it really, you know, you were there then, and people, I know you haven't played senior footy, but people always talk about how that really upset the dynamic of the playing group, and those guys were really valued club men. And, I really get the sense that those blokes later on, but particularly Dimmer, um, yeah. had you know them leaving had that same sort of impact on the playing group. And it's sort of a, a sad irony that in both cases it was after a hugely successful period and it led to a not-so-successful period, in our mm-hmm. case, far too long an unsuccessful period. You know, So you've got to be really careful about upsetting the fabric of a playing list, don't you? Yeah, I think you know. Hopefully, um, yeah. Well, we learn we learn from it, but yeah, um, probably mismanaged perhaps the the salary cap to to force so many blokes out at once. But you know, um, yeah, the the guy, a really popular bloke, laid back. But you know, the, one of those guys, he crosses the white line, and you'd have full confidence that he's going to have your back, and and he did, and at the same time, upsetting the opposition. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Nice. Yeah. So let's go to number 13. Uh, mine's a fairly quick one. I had Sean Denham at number 13. So I won't go too along with that. I'll go to you, Rowan. Uh, mine's a fairly quick one because I had Damien Hardwick. <laughs> nice. Nice. And let's go, Neil. And I got hung for Sean Denham and I didn't even have him the, uh, the lowest. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so I've got a uh, new player today on this one, number 13, who I actually had in the top 10 until uh, early on this afternoon where I was going through a lot of stats and I, uh, he's a big drifter for me today, so I'll probably get hung on that one too. But this is uh, Joe Masiti. Okay. Um, had uh, 236 oh, games. Neil. Neil, what have you There we go. <laughs> oh. I, I'd better make Change to my list then. Hang on a second. Oh, hang on. Okay. Wait, wait. I know, I know Joey will be... Joey, mate, I'm sorry. I'll deal with Neil after. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, what I'll are go... you doing, Neil? Oh. <laughs> I'll go through my uh, my explanation for, uh, 
for the drifting in him. Uh, 236 games, 94 goals. Uh, had 140 games in the 90s and 54 goals. Um, second in the best and fairest in 1996. Uh, now, he started off his career with a, with a great bang. He uh, uh, 27 disposals in his first game, uh, late 1992. And uh, right up till his sixth game in 1993, he had 37 disposals. Um, 1993, all round was a fabulous year for him. Okay? I was in the, one of the Rising Star nominations. Um, and, uh, but then 94 and 95, it seemed like he just drifted along. Um, and wasn't quite as, uh, uh, he said he put on a little bit of weight and wasn't training quite as hard, which I think might have, well, Gary could maybe add that, maybe after the 93. I think some of the players might have thought it might have just happened for them. And maybe it was uh, really took to well about 96 uh, when everything really started to come together again. Um, and then he was top five in the uh, B&F in 96 and 97. Um, but I thought, uh, just looking at it overall, the uh, didn't have right through through each of the years as a consistent a period as some of the other players. I actually had him up around uh, eight or nine early in the day. But uh, yeah, just looking from his period in the 90s and after 2000 onwards, of course, he had a, a few great career, uh, years as well. But just yeah. going to the 90s, I had him as drifting back to down to 13. I'll quickly go to you, Grant, and then we'll get Gary to uh, to and to sum up. Yes, um, I had Dimmer Hardwick. Um, uh, the one thing I loved about Dimmer was that he, again, he wasn't the biggest bloke in the world, and he wasn't um, like Glen Archer, a, a reasonable sized unit. The thing that I, I've always wondered, and maybe Gary can speak to this as well, is that if you've got I don't know, Ron Andrews running at you or Ryan O'Connor or some massive unit running at you and you know that you're going to get crunched by him. You can, you can sort of make a decision as to whether or not you want to go. Uh, with Dimmer Hardwick, he's always going to have a crack. The problem with Dimmer is that you are absolutely going to have to throw your body or commit your body to the ball to be able to get it because you know he will, be it a massive unit or a little midfielder, he's going to throw himself at the ball. And you're going to, every time you see him get the ball, you know, you have to commit your body as hard as he does to be able to get it. So I love that about him. He'll, he, he seemed like he would have a crack against anybody at any time by throwing himself at the ball. So love Dimmer Harbour. I'll let you sum up Gary. Yeah. Cover them all. I think, yeah. Hardwick just, uh, and Denham we've, we've talked about them. Um, yeah, he had a really, it was a really good year, the 98 year, uh, my last year. His, I reckon in, um, if he had got his act together and had a little bit of luck, he might have even played 93. I think his first year might have been 93, but he was just in the yeah. twos, I yeah, think. Yeah. And, but I think, I think he he's, just, he's, he said himself, you know, he's a little bit lazy. Yeah, if he had have been switched on, he was the type of player sheep would pick. And he may well have played in our 93 premiership, but he end up, he'd end up being a, a triple premiership player, uh, two with S and one with Port. So yeah. um, he probably, but yeah, some you know, uh, different uh, courses uh, for different blokes. Joey Mercedi, I thought he was going to be, I didn't expect him to hear his name this early, so I uh, haven't got much on him. What I can Sorry, say, man. Gary Folds, when I um, inherited his jumper, I moved from number 44 to 10. They said, oh, Gary, you'll be able to get every ball 
that's ever got the ball will just drop in your lap. Gary Folger, you'd be sitting in the dunny and the ball will land in his lap. It's a great number to have. Joe Mercedes was the quintessential bloke for that. He just knew where it was going and he just seemed to bob up and he would get disposal after disposal and get on the end of things. And he was a brilliant decision maker and a brilliant kick and uh, was, you know, obviously got better and better in the 2000s, but was still, you know, in the seven or so years he played in the 90s, was a, you know, a really solid player for us. Just with Gary, two things that remind me of uh, Smoke and Joe. Uh, one was when you mentioned he had a really good kick. I always felt he had a great connection with Lloydie as far as weighting his kick. Like, it wasn't like a, a spear kind of kick. He seemed to have a really good uh, weighted kick that Lloyd would run onto. Uh, that that made it's a good point, Scott. Yeah, I reckon you're spot on there. Glenn, he's similar to Glenn Hawker in the '80s. Glenn Hawker's probably mm. the best touch kick I've seen, left and right. He could actually, he he just the message from his brain to his foot. He he knew. Yeah, Joey was a lot like Glenn Hawker. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, always, felt, I always felt Joe knew 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 the space in front of Lloyd, so he knew. Hey, I'm going to put this 15 meters in front of Lloyd, and Lloyd would just run onto it and pay as he'd taken on the chest. It was just the way he thought through that kind of decision making. And the other thing with Smoke and Joe, in big games, he was very, very good. Like he he had he had a lot of moments in big games where he would show up and be quite a calming sort of presence with the ball. He that's kind of my memory. I'm trying to think of specific games, uh, but Rowan may be able to help me with that. But I always felt like that in my, in big moments, Smoking Joe was kind of a player, even if it was out of form the previous three weeks, if there was a big game to be had with a Collingwood or a West Coast at the time, you, he normally had, he normally had it, he turned up for it and, and was switched on. Oh, look, I, I, I'll be talking about Joe next week. Um, <laughs> if that's any guide. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, don't, I, I had him next I, week this afternoon too. I, do, I don't want to fire all my <laughs> shots at once. But no, oh, look, I would just say this now. I'm, I'm not really having a go. Well, I am having a go. You really are. <laughs> stick to your guns. Stick to your guns. No, well, I, I think, like we said, it, it's a, you know, there's some really hard decisions to make because few players played throughout the bulk of yeah. the 90s. So mm. I think you've got to really look hard at amounts of games as much as anything. And... Mm. The fact is that in terms of numbers of games played in the 90s, Smoke and Jay comes in at number four behind Gary, uh, Darren Buick and Peter Somerville. Mercedes played 140 games in the 90s, which is the fourth most of anyone. And, you know, I'd argue that most of them... Yeah, I, look, I'm not... You make a really good point, Neil, about those couple of years after, um, after the 93 flag. Oh. But he did... You know, he wasn't Robinson Crusoe. He did respond pretty well after that. You mentioned, yeah, I think, fifth in a couple of BNFs. Um, and I, I, he, apart from being a ball mag, the quintessential ball magnet, he was a, a beautiful kick of the footy. You know, like not mm-hmm. accurate, but also a long kick of the footy. You know, I mean, think about the goal, for example, in the at three-quarter time in the grand final yeah. in 93. You know, so, and yeah, look, he had that sort of body type that could blow up a bit, I suppose. But Wherever he played, you know, he you knew he was going to get close to 30 touches. Um, yeah, absolute gun. He's yeah. a ripping bloke. Is he a ripping bloke too? Like, Joey, I'll tell you what I love about Joey. Like, he's on Twitter a fair bit. Well, he watches Twitter a fair bit. But 
He doesn't tweet that much, but he'll just bob up now and again with a little dry sort of comment or whatever, you know, and he's not interested in getting the blue tick because I was Joe Mercedes. You know, he's just like your, your average Joe, pardon the pun. Well, he, he um, was... He was on our um our fifth like a fifth or sixth ever show that we started. Yeah, yeah. He no, he's he's one of the nicest guys. Yeah. We I've had met we had funny. like no one knew us. We didn't have any pedigree whatsoever. And I just reached out to him. Yeah, let's get on. Let's yeah, do yeah. it. And sorry, chatted. sorry. So you're saying you've got some pedigree now? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, well you're, yeah. you're, you, you and the captain below you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, well, I'm just, obviously uh, now that Gary's part of the show, yeah, we've, we've, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, he's, a, he's, he's just a, the loveliest. Just a, yeah. Um, now, now, not that you should put him high because of that, Neil. But anyway, yeah. there you go. I'll go to you, Grant, to wrap up number thirteen. Uh, number thirteen for me is uh, number thirteen. Yeah. Um, did I say, is it 13? Because I said... Yeah, no, you went Hardwick, 13. Yeah, oh, I went Hardwick, sorry, sorry, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, Gary was wrapping up. Oh, I, I forgot Gary. Hardwick. Come on. Yeah. If we were, if, if Dimmer was listening to this and we were talking this amount about someone else, he'd go, come on, you blokes, go to your mates. You, <laughs> you blokes, yeah. come on, you're taking too long, you blokes. Sorry, Gary. Is, was that what, uh, <laughs> is that what Richmond is enjoying right now, Gary? Is Richmond enjoying that kind of stuff when they come off after a loss? Uh, he, he's uh, obviously have not seen him since. Um, it's all well documented in the in the press how he's changed as a person, even in the last three years, and his approach to coaching. And uh, someone that can change, keep improving, um, and uh, you know get the best out of people. He's he's obviously a very smart man, and uh, he's in the prime of his coaching life. Can I, can I just say that very quickly? That if you want the best insight I've read into not only Damien Hardwick, but an entire footy club. Now, the guy that wrote this, you know, he's a mate of mine. I worked with him on The Age, but I've read most footy books. Um, The best book I've ever read on footy, or he's done two of them now, is Conrad Marshall's Yellow and Black, where he spent the 2017 season inside Richmond. You will yep. never, ever get a better insight into what makes a footy club tick than that book. It is just okay. remarkable. And Dimmer's a big part of that. Um, I can just honestly say to anyone, if you want to read a great footy book, read that. Bugger if you don't barrack for Richmond. It is absolutely engrossing. And any time I run into an Essendon administrator or board member, I say, read this book. This is what, you know, okay. I know we're sort of slavishly imitating Richmond on a few fronts. But we could do no better than read that book and, and slavishly imitate them as a club because they, it wasn't the case for them for a long time, but they got it right. And Dimmer's capacity to sort of let go that obsessive need for control and embrace the vulnerability of players and people around the club, it turned everything yep. around. Gee, it's a fantastic... I know I'm sort of getting all evangelical about it, but it is fan- a fantastic book. Yellow okay. and black. Uh, that sounds great. Right. So look, uh, we're getting close to the forty minutes, so we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, keep, sorry, we'll keep it going. <laughs> uh, look, number twelve uh, is a new player. I hope I, I don't get shot down for this. I'm, I always get nervous when I when I have to do a new player because I'm waiting for Rowan to go. What? Um, so look, very very famous name at the club, and he was actually part of our part of our. Uh, it was very high up in our eighties list for me. So to have him, you know, close to the top 10 in the 90s list 
speaks of how high te- highly talented he is. Still played 105 games for Essendon in the 90s. Uh, kicked 43 goals in 1990, 59 in 1992. And in the Premiership year, 93, kicked 65 goals. And it's none other than, obviously, Paul Salmon. Uh, I, 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 was, I was going back and forth about where to put him. Um, I, I felt like this was, for me, around about the right mark. Uh, obviously, he had a big year in the Premiership year. And then probably after that, he was more renowned maybe for the Hawthorne side of things. Uh, but I'll, I'll let everyone else critique. But look, no matter what, he was obviously top five in my 80s list. And he's, he's number, my number 12, a terrific player for the club and will be known as one of the greats for the club, to be honest. All right. Well, I'll, I'll uh, absolutely no argument from me at all. I've got him next uh, after this number. Um, okay. I think we played 105 games in the 90s, which put him uh, 13, 48, about 15th or 16th. Um, I agree with you entirely. He, you know, the last uh, the last time he, you know, he was a super super player for Essendon. I reckon was probably ninety three. You know, he struggled a bit with soft tissues after that. And remember, of course, you know, it was a pretty tacky way to end when he got he got booed off the ground at Waverley in that final against um, who was it? Mm, West yeah. Coast. Yeah, in, yeah, that was know, in ninety five. That wasn't great. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like his best footy was played in those first four seasons of the 90s. So, no, I think that's an entirely fair ranking for him. Um, So, yeah, I've got him coming up. But at 12, I had it there and now I've forgotten. I have got, oh, I've got another person who featured very prominently in the 80s list, um, Bomber Thompson. Okay. So, Bomber played... 107 games in the 90s, so just two more than Fish. Uh, retired about midway through the 96 season. Went almost immediately into coaching. Um, <clears throat> but Bomber, you know, Bomber was sensational in those early 90s. Of course, captain of a 93 side. Yeah. You know, still one, still one of the best defenders in the league. And just, you know, time and, and injury sort of caught up with him towards the end. But, you know, you're talking about a guy that, uh, he won two best and fairest in the 87 and he won in 90. So he won 90, the BMF, yeah, in, in a grand final year, which is always a great guide, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, for, you know, so seven seasons in the 90s, over 100 games in the 90s and for 80% of those games, still a really, really important player in that side. So that's good enough for number 12 for me. Uh, so my Neil? number my number twelve was Gary O. Oh no, uh, <laughs> Damien Hardwick. Again, I think we've discussed him um, pretty solidly. And um, yeah, interesting the the Paul Salmon one. I've got him a little bit higher, but the probably the three that I found hardest to rate in this were uh, Salmon, Harvey, and Thompson. Same who, as me. Uh, yeah. yeah, who um, probably all had their best footy in in the uh, 80s, maybe Harvey a little bit uh, because he reinvented himself as centre-half back in the 90s. He was uh, good in a different way. But, uh, yeah, really hard to actually rank how you compared to other players around them. But I had them a little bit higher. Uh, but, yeah, my number 12, uh, Damien Hardwick. I think we've discussed him pretty well. I'll go to you, Grant. Uh, number 12, Smoking Joe Mercedes. 
Um, yep. Just like you said, a ball <laughs> magnet. <laughs> um, a ball <laughs> magnet of a bloke. Um, Good on just, you, Grant. I'm glad you got him up the hot stuff. <laughs> if, um, if they could isolate the ball magnet gene um, and just because you've got to be born with the ability to. Uh, to have that ball just fall around your, your feet like it did with Joe. So, or the brain to figure it out. So smoking Joe uh, Mercedes for me, and he's, you're right. We spoke to him um, ages ago, like on show number five. Um, and he's a, he was just a great bloke and ridiculously easy to, uh, to talk to. So um, plug for him. He's got a logistics company, Mercedes logistics. Look them up. If you want stuff taken from here to there. <laughs> Is that what logistics is? Why doesn't he just why does he just call it couriers or removals or something? Yeah. Well, from here to there. Yeah. So, so we're getting paid sponsors now, are we? Oh look, absolutely right. I'll be we've looking to about, check along with Gary. We've talked about Damien a lot. Um Joey we've talked a little bit about, but um the best thing about uh being an older player when these young blokes came through was the Monday in the spa after training. And Joey Masidi and Makiri and Olorenshaw and Kelthorpe and Alessio, they'd be in the spa as well. And it'd be us old blokes going, yeah, and that, what happened then? And, and, and what happened then? And we're all married and kids. And, that, what, and then that happened. Oh, talking about their Saturday night and their Sunday night, probably. <laughs> nice. Joey, uh, yeah, maybe uh, Dennis Pagan once said uh, in a pre-season game, I think it was in 92 out of the Royal Melbourne Showgrounds were playing Carlton. He was in the twos and Dennis was coaching at halftime. He says to Joey, you're moving like you got two blue stones in your shorts, Joey. And that uh, <laughs> was probably right. He was, he was carrying a little bit of weight, but he uh, smartened himself up. Paul Salmon, I came through... Uh, under well, under the underage footy at North Ringwood with him, he was always. I saw that. I saw that pick you tweeted. Where was that pick from again? With the St Kilda jumpers, who was that? Yeah, North Ringwood Footy Club. It was yeah, right. uh, at the North Ringwood Reserve. Peter Banfield was in that photo yeah. as well, who played yeah. with uh, Essendon and also um, and went up to Brisbane. Yeah, uh, was a yeah, fourth, wasn't there a fourth one? Was there a fourth? Uh, no, no, we oh, had okay. some pretty good players. We were, yeah. I think, we were undefeated. The other the closest. No, no, we weren't undefeated, but yeah, we were. We I think we won a premiership, but yeah, it was a good side. There was some, you know, quite a few players that might have played VFA as well, and, and good players in the local comp. But um, Paul Salmon, we'll probably talk about him uh, in, in uh, weeks to come as well. But he was notorious for not having a wallet. Out for coffee, out for feed. Oh, boys. <laughs> Uh, got wallet and, uh, <laughs> no good. One of those type of blokes. No wonder he's got so much money. And Bomber, um, when Bomber did his knee in '87 pre-season, yeah. Sheeds came to me, uh, called me to the match committee room, and said, uh, "Here you go, son." And he grabbed the Bomber Tom, the M Thompson magnet off the board, and said, "Here it is. It's your role if you want it." And mm. I chucked it in my wallet and I had it in my wallet for two years. We were in Fort Lauderdale, played Hawthorne in Miami at Joe Rabi Stadium. And uh, we'd come home after the game or, you know, come home late and Bomber and I were rooming together. I said, and we both had a few and I took out this, look what I've got. I've carried this around in my wallet for two years and it was the M Thompson magnet. And he looked at it and he goes, yeah, fantastic, Gary. And he, out on the balcony and we were at about a five-story building bushes cool rivers 
and he's thrown it, and I never saw it again. I was going to oh, it no. for all time's sake, and he's thrown it, and it's gone. But she, yeah, coming to me when Bomber did his knee 87. Oh, sorry, it was the 88 preseason. Yeah, we. I, I reckon. I reckon, Gary. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I reckon he might have done it in almost the last practice match of '88. I reckon it was a game well, at Windy Hill. I reckon I was at the practice game at Windy Hill when he did his knee, and it was yeah, it was such well, a shame because he was coming off the of best and fairest, you know, and that best and fairest the previous year, and with, so he missed '88, but back yeah. By, you know, in, in the, his second year back, he's won a won a uh, BNF again in a in a yeah. grand final year. He was look, he, he tapered off fairly quickly. Had some injuries, broke his arm ninety five, but yeah, he was a wonderful player for us and, and a real players captain. Probably the cap, the sort of captain that would back every player to the hilt and knock on the boss's door if anyone was having trouble and be the spokesperson for them. He was he was uh, your quintessential players captain. Yeah. Just a, a quick uh, um, story on Paul Salmon because I can't believe I've got a story on Paul Salmon. Um, I'm sitting having lunch at uh, Collins Place in Melbourne, uh, just off Collins Street, Sydney Collins Place, eating my sushi and who walks past but the fish himself. So he wanders over to, I don't know, whatever shop it was and I'm going, holy shit, that's fish. So I was going to go over and get a drink from that joint. So I wandered over and reasonably happy standing next to fish. And I said, g'day, Paul, massive Bombers fan. Um, and he goes, yeah, get on you, mate. I said, can I buy you lunch? For all, the, for all the goals you kicked and all the smiles you put on my face, can I buy you lunch? Now, with Gary's story, he was probably very happy that I did that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know what? He would have walked past there for the next three days for the rest of the week <laughs> when you were there again. <laughs> so it's your own it's it's your own fault, mate, because you you know, you've clearly done that expecting to go, Oh, don't be silly and he's gone, Yeah, great, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, no, that's I'll buy, I'll buy mate, any any Essendon player I've I've uh, I've watched play footy for the club, mate, I'll buy him lunch without a problem. But it was very really interesting went- as soon as you said that, Gary. It would have gone from a sandwich to a three-course meal, too. Any Essendon player. Right, so, uh, if, you, so if, you bump into, if you bump into Gavin Keane or... Um, uh, Errol Steinberg. Um, who do you say, Gary? Well, Marbles Keane. Oh, Marbles Keane. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of a much maligned Essendon player of the late uh, 80s. Gee, there was a few. When was Doc uh, Wilder? Was Doc Wilder 90s? Yeah, we never played a senior uh-huh. game, so it doesn't count. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know his story. They got him across for, I think it was 96, wasn't it? And he got pissed and hit by a bloody taxi in King Street, broke his leg. Oh. Yep. That'll do yep. But I oh. digress. Come on, let's get on. <laughs> all right, all right, let's get on to number 11. This is the final one for this show. Uh, uh, look, Gary, oh. Gary's nervous. Gary's real nervous. He's oh, nervous. Wow. I know. It's 21, 22. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to say uh, mine's a nice, easy one. Mine's smoking Joe Mercedes at number uh, 11. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, there we go. So, just, the look on uh, Rowan's face happens. says it all. Oh, I would so, go so, over. So, you're the odd man out then, Rowan? Yeah, yeah. so I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. <laughs> Uh, all right, number 11 for me. Uh, yeah, I don't want to speak about him anymore. Paul Salmon. Oh, Paul Salmon. Okay. I'll let you oh, go, Neil. 
Well, that uh, lets me introduce another new player then. I, like you, Scotty, I'm not quite, uh, get a bit nervous when you're putting up a name for the first time, wondering how far out you are. It's this uh, uh, Salmon, uh, Harvey and Thompson that uh, has thrown me a bit here. But anyway, surely the others will be fairly close. Uh, 238 games in his career for 188 goals. Um, sorry, 238 games for 332 goals. 188 games in the 90s and 269 goals. Um, one of the great all-time uh, goal sneaks, as well as a very good uh, compiler of uh, possessions as well, is uh, Darren Buick. Wow. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that, oh that's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, you're right, Neil. I'm okay. Wow. I, I, I really loved him as a player and I would have liked to have had him higher as well. He was uh, uh, another one of these guys is a beautiful kick of the ball, um, could run all day, uh, loved to go and take a bounce and, and kick him from, uh, from anywhere. Um, as we talked on the show, uh, I think it was last week, uh, uh, when he came back from his um, uh, injury, he kicked nine goals on in the uh, game against Geelong at the G. Centenary uh, game. Centenary game, yep. With the one with a funny hat for you, Gary. Um, what I, uh, the thing that I actually looked at it when I was going through his stats, uh, which I wasn't quite aware of, was the number of disposals he, he actually got. The, he's famous for the, the goals he kicked, but he actually got um, uh, 29 or more disposals in 10 games, and including a uh, career high 37 disposals in the uh, 96 preliminary final which is a um, you know, fantastic effort. So not only was he great around goals, but he, he, uh, he uh, also could contribute uh, when he went on the ball and uh, was a very um, a, a great ball winner as well. And uh, just looking at the number of goals he kicked as well, 37 in 90, 25 in 91, 32 in 92, 52 in 93 in the Premiership year, 34 in 94, and uh, 28 in 96 he... Uh, really was a, a great consistent uh, uh, player for a number of years. Yeah, well, the other, I mean, the other important thing to remember there too is that uh, as far as games in the 90s went, he sits at number two behind yep. one man. And that one yep. man is sitting right below me here. Yeah. Um, so he's he's certain, right. yeah, well, I've got <laughs> my screen is there. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know who I mean. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he absolutely had that longevity. I was just thinking, didn't he have a um, he had a funny sort of body shape, Boris, didn't he? He had yeah. sort of like a, a big back or something, you know? Uh, like for a little quite, bloke, he was quite, quite a big. a big torso. And, yeah. Do you know what I mean? He could, like, he that could move, though. Weird, but, oh, yeah, yeah. No, he was a great player. Great no, I haven't got any quibbles yeah. with that at all. In fact, I've got him uh, a fraction higher now. <laughs> Um, okay, go, go Grant. Um, this one I want to take my time with because uh, it's it is a glittering career. Glittering. Um, Two hundred and forty-three games for Essendon, nine matches for Victoria. Uh, Essendon Premiership player in '93, Platinum medalist in '93, Michael Tuck medalist, Essendon captain '96 and '97. Oh, there it's we Mr. go. Gary O'Donnell. At number 11. Wow. Loved uh, absolutely every game you played, Gary. Uh, again, I, I value consistency. Sorry, did you say number 11, Gary O'Donnell? At number 11, yeah. 
Oh, G-O-D. No, that's... Yeah, that's oh, come it. on now. That's come on. <laughs> 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 Fuck it off. <laughs> I'm going to continue, damn it. I'm not going to let him bloody <laughs> hijack this. That's um, you um, walking off. I thought it'd be Gary. No, sorry, <laughs> no. Bruce. Just kidding. I just thought <laughs> I'd throw a wobbly on your behalf, Gary. <laughs> it's outrageously low, Grant. What are you uh, talking no, about? Mate. <laughs> The, the names of the names above him. Anyway, I'm gonna keep going because um, I am I am sitting here talking to one of my absolute uh, football. Uh, well, how could you besmirch his reputation by only uh, having him at number one? Besmirch, mate. If he, uh, look, now you're making me feel bad, Gary. That's the idea. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for all the games you played for the Bombers, mate. You were an absolute model of consistency. I uh, I had. Simon Madden and Paul Vanderhaar on my uh, my duffel coat, and you were like inches from getting on my duffel coat as well. Um, for the more modern players, um, it was it was an absolute pleasure to watch you play, mate. And I got you in at number eleven. And, look, and then get on it now because you're a bigger bloke, so you'd need a bigger duffel coat. <laughs> That's that exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I got just say, just say. <laughs> Just so you know, Gary, he has Michael Werner at number 10, just to, uh, just to rub salt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no way, mate. I, I can. And don't forget about luck, Grant, because I've got no stories on me. There's no stories about me, so oh, bad what? luck. <laughs> really? Um, Come on. No, and we've talked about Joey, Paul Salmon, uh, Darren Buick. Yes, I reckon he's probably a little bit high for me, or low for me as well. I'd be having him a little bit higher, Neil. But I remember the 93 prelim, the six goals he kicked. He didn't miss. Why we came back is we didn't miss. We didn't miss. And he was one of the blokes that probably had three shots at goal that didn't miss in that in that second half. So we were able to keep the momentum going. But I remember 93, I think it was round one, over in at Subiaco, we played against West Coast and we lost close. It was yeah. about a goal and a half, but he kicked eight that day in the first yeah. round. And by about the third one, halfway through the third quarter, he's playing uh, second quarter. He's playing on Don Pike, and he must have grown up with Don Pike, um, you know, coming through the ranks. And it was we're running back to the centre, and he's going, "That's three, Donny. That's three. And then the next goal, <laughs> "That's four, Donny." And Mickey Moldhouse has left Don Pike on him all day. So he was able to go, that's six, Johnny, that's seven, that's eight. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. The funniest thing you've ever seen. Uh, a player that not not well liked by other supporters because he did have that cheek, but certainly for us, and the, the small forward role, he played a fair bit. Uh, but he got up the ground as well and was then able to get back into, into the forward half. And the odd pinch hitter, on the ball as well was able to to create um, something with his pace out of out of the centre. So a very good player in the nineties. Young. He had um, he had great confidence in his own ability too, but like not in a, a stupid way. And I actually remember in nineteen eighty eight, I um, wrote for and published uh, a club magazine. It was like it was pretty rough and ready, trust me, but I, in 88, I worked for the club and uh, he, I interviewed all the recruits and he was one of the recruits and I just remember thinking, Jesus, you're not short on confidence, mate. I hope you can back it up, you know, and he, he did back it up, you know. He was, he was terrific from day one. So um, the other thing I want to say at this point, 
And I am just kidding, Grant. But no, no. Uh, I, I think the guy sitting with us is going to be the subject of the biggest discrepancy in our um, respective rankings. Okay. okay. Yeah. So if he if he has eleven stories on himself. Yeah. I, what I mean, what I what I mean, Gary, is I had you at number thirty six. <laughs> seven and I was gonna I was gonna say twenty two. I just got into twenty two. Eleven and twenty two. So get, just close enough so I can talk about you and not make you feel so bad. Grant, yeah, yeah. yeah Grant, Grant's got that horrible one of going early and then Gary now listening to everyone from one to ten and saying that the and obviously thinking he said Grant's obviously thinking I'm worse than this guy. <laughs> I can I can say maybe, how, like, maybe uh, I can. Tell a couple of stories next week. I'll have to remember them. I, you know, I'm getting <laughs> Alzheimer's, and I'm, um, yeah, it's getting old, uh, and it's so long ago. I may not have any. Hey, I Gary, can, I, I can see, I, I can see Gary's getting a bit nervous, you know, because the stakes are pretty high now. I can see he's sort of thinking, well, geez, we missed out on that '96 flag, and I lost that preliminary final, but maybe I can get a high place in this uh, podcast top ten of the Are you going to shoot a few text messages if you're if you're up the pointy end, Gary? You're going to shoot a few text messages off to the boys. To which ones? To you guys? Or to <laughs> oh no, to, to some of the ex-players. I know this will be a prestigious award if you're up at the pointy end. Can I? Well, highly sought after. I'll be surprised if I'm behind some blokes, and I'm already surprised I'm in front of some blokes. There you are, so there nice. you go. Can I ask a question, Gary? Can I ask a question, Gary? In your family, with your sister having 80 caps for Australia, how is your family regarded as who's the most successful sports person in your family? Uh, well, yeah, she's got an OA as well, whatever that means. Um, yeah, well, that's... She... Uh, if she had been a guy, a bloke, she would have played AFL footy. Uh, no doubt about that. She um, she was the Fraser Brown of netball. And that's why Joyce Brown, <laughs> who coached her for a lot of those caps, yeah, uh, loved her. She was rough and ready, had a good time off the field, but crossed the line and, um, you know, you, you got 100% from her. So... Uh, played in a different era. She'd be a squirt now in the netball sense because now they've. She's got a daughter, uh, Hannah, who's quite good. She's about eighteen, but Hannah um, is you know three or four inches taller than her and, and plays in the same position. So uh, very interesting. But yeah, no, there's uh, it, well, Good Friday we had the the big Zoom hookup with the family, and there's always a story to tell and always a bit of one-upmanship and who was better. And uh, I'll just. Leave my record there and she can have hers and um, yeah. Well, well at least at least you don't have to worry about the, the balance being altered now. Whereas I was just thinking as you mentioned that poor old Daniel Kerr, you know, when his career finished, he probably his old man was a pretty handy player, I think, for East Fremantle and he would have thought, Well Roger, I've got yeah. I've got Roger covered, but yep. uh, little did he count on his younger sister sort of becoming one of the best known female soccer players in the world. Yeah, and yeah. one of the best, one of the best uh, female sports sports people, yeah, across the world as well. Yeah, yeah. So look, hey, we'll... just, Scotty, just yeah. just to keep on, I just want I want a, a quick shout out to Darren Buick as well for telling us about the uh, Upper Ferntree Gully Bogan in uh, Joshua Begley, um, and getting him <laughs> yes. down to the club. So a big big thanks, uh, big thanks, viewers on him. Yeah, well, he became a bit of a recruiter, didn't he, Barry? Buick yeah, for, uh, yeah. Thanks very much for, for that. Uh, he, he may have even got Jordan Ridley a little bit, uh, if I've memory serves me correctly too, from a similar area of, 
of Melbourne. Um, look, I just want to, I'll, I'll wrap that up now. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, Gary, I'm sure you're going to be a little bit part of the, the next maybe one or two shows. So one thing I would love you to think about for the next show is, one is your time as captain. What was actually, you know, your mantra? What, what, how did you see captaincy at the Essendon Football Club? And I'd love to also look into after the 93 Premiership was won, there's, there's, there's always a lot of talk about how the players came out after that. There's always, uh, you hear a lot of players talk about we probably over-celebrated. Uh, maybe just talking about that kind of time frame as well. Uh, and just for the listeners, part three will actually come out quite soon. So part two, uh, I'll, I'll get out tomorrow, uh, which is Thursday time in, in Australia. And then we may bring out part three around about Sunday or Monday. But there's just a couple of things I thought would be interesting in, in your time when we're discussing you on the next show, just you, you being captain and just how Essendon probably got a few things wrong after that, that, that unexpected kind of premiership year and how they worked their way through that to get, to get out of that coming, starting to hit more form in 96. So just a few oh, things. Oh. All good. I'll see how I go. Um, when you said Australian time, we go worldwide, do we? <laughs> oh, yeah. We are global <laughs> and trending, Gary. Global <laughs> and trending. Uh, look, no, no, might, be, might, be get, might be getting ahead of yourself a little bit, boys. No, uh, look, <laughs> I, know, I know this sounds funny. Long time. I know we've gone a long time because I keep changing my earpieces back and forth because they're losing charge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Look, something that says, did you, does the front of that case there in really say sexy? That's what I thought I saw. No, I don't think so. Did I show that? No. <laughs> I'm going mad. Yeah, I, I look sexy with a with mic. Oh, I got it. Okay. Well, uh, the, the really good thing is that um, we've only exceeded the ETA running time by 30 minutes this week. So we're nice. We're going down. We're going down. That's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, just say, you, oh. probably, you, probably, you probably can't see this at all, sorry, but this has our last show, 29 people from the United States, 21 from the Philippines, nine from the United oh. Kingdom, five from Canada, three from Hong Kong. So we have we we're, we're global, mate. We're, we're, we're global. No, no, trending. How global about that? International I, celebrities. So I take uh, that back, Scott. I take that back. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so look, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, we'll 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 wrap up this part two. Part three will go from ten to six. Look forward to that. Again, thank you, everyone, for for joining us. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, and it's good night from the Lunchtime Catch Up Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>